Well, good morning, everybody. So excited to be here with you guys. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Clint. I am the student ministry pastor here at Kensington Church. Uh, so yeah, I know what you're thinking. Who is this much better looking guy than Kevin? That's who I am. Uh, so I want to welcome you. I'm so glad you guys are here with us this morning. Uh, I, I love getting to hang out with you guys on a Sunday morning. Typically on Sunday mornings, I get to go to the first service and then the second service, we have our middle schoolers uh, across the street, which they're meeting there now. And, and it's something called Breakaway. And so usually during the second service, I'm over there. So I really love getting the opportunity to come and, and hang out with you guys and speak on a Sunday morning. And so the last time I did it, I, I was either not terrible or Kevin just really, really needed a break. So either way, I'm here with you guys this morning and, uh, and I'm really excited because we're starting a new series um, that, I, that I love called Gone Fishing. And th- this series is based on some messages that Andy Stanley did a while back that we just really, really love. And one of the reasons we really, really love them is it, it emphasizes my favorite mission uh, at this church. Our, our mission statement is is to see everyone transformed and mobilized for Jesus and that that everyone part is the thing that drew me to this church as I was interviewing one of the things that I'm most passionate about is to see every single person reach for Jesus Christ we we don't care if you don't like church we want you here you know and and that's one of the big things that we do here and so I'm really excited that 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 this is what the service and this is what this series is going to be all about and so we're going to dive into talking about why and how to reach people for Jesus. And, you know, at this church, we like to be really, really practical. We try and give you guys stuff every week that you can go and do things that you can live out in your daily lives. And so today we have a video for you guys that I want you to pay close attention to because there is some really good stuff in here. So I hope you guys can take away some practical things this week um, with this video. You guys enjoy. There's a spot. Perfect. Thank you, Lord. Provided. Barista, what's going on? God bless you. Hey, how's it going, man? I want the normal, my usual. Yeah, actually, we have a couple girls in line already. If I could just get you to move to the back, and I'll help you as soon as I'm done with that. Sorry about that. Last week first, first will be last. Dude. Do you go to church at all? You go to church at all? So do you go to church at all? Hey, is this seat open? Hey, is this seat available? Uh, dude, I just wanted to knock out some devos real quick. I spent some time with Jesus. I woke up kind of late this morning. Yeah, come on, scoot over. Scoot over. Let me sit down. I just want to share something from God's word. He hit me up in my devos this morning. And I was like, I got to share this. Genesis 1, 1. Thirsty, huh? Getting some water? Yeah. Yeah, I know the living water. I was noticing that you're drawing some stuff over here. Back before when I wasn't a Christian, I, I was making so much money as a graphic designer. You been born again? You've been born again? Born again? And you need to quit walking in the flesh. I mean, obviously you don't really know God, your tattoos, and you know, in your ear and stuff. If you don't start out the day by just bathing yourself in prayer, the day doesn't even go that well. You're not realizing that there is a God. He sent Jesus to die for you. Why don't you see that? And in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, I just would go to these crazy parties. It was crazy. Well, I mean, just cash, like crazy, but uh, but I've left all that behind. Now I'm a Christian. You can't live life without God. He's not real. He's here. I can't yes, see him. Yes, he is. I'm just not getting through to you. God I can't is real. Touch him. Yeah, you can't touch Africa, but Africa exists. I just have to say, I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed by the devil's mess. What's holding you back from committing your life to Jesus Christ? It's probably the sin in your life is what's going on. (laughs) Scared? Hell is scary. Why don't you look at that girl right there? Look at her. She's gonna die. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. She's gonna die. If you were to die, where do you think you would go? Man, that sounded hot. 
I wonder how hot hell is. Hopefully you don't go there. Oh, this is good. The New Testament is so just applicable. Have you guys noticed this? Hey, you gotta be washed by the blood of the lamb. I mean, so that you are justified, sanctified, future glorified. I mean, this is amazing. You gotta come out. Do you drive a Volkswagen? Yeah, yeah, I do. But regardless, man, you gotta come to church. Hey, remember what I said? Hell, scary. You've been born again? You've been born again? You've been born again? No, we don't want you to be that guy. Um, so we're, we're starting this series today, Gone Fishing. And, and today we're going to talk more about the, the why than the how. Um, so we're going to get into to why fish and, and some of those things. And, but in order to do that, we're going we're gonna to talk uh, about a story of when Jesus called some of his first disciples. And, and one of the interesting things we'll see in this passage is that right from the get-go, Right off the bat, when Jesus calls his, some of his first disciples, he makes his intentions for them very clear. And, and when he calls us, he has the same intentions for us. You know, just, and, and just like for the disciples, a lot of times it can be very confusing when we start out. And, and Jesus says, if you follow me, I'm going to make you something. He says, if you follow me, I'm going to make you something. And, and I want Jesus to make me somebody who is a better husband. And I want Jesus to make me somebody who is a better father, somebody who's more disciplined, somebody who's kinder, right? I want to be some, I want Jesus to make me somebody who's more prosperous. Those are the things that I want Jesus to make me. When Jesus says, follow me and I'm going to make you something, those are the things that I think about. And I think many of us uh, have some things that we expect Jesus to make us. When we say, like, we're going to follow Jesus, we have some things, okay, this is kind of what this is going to look like. Or we have some things that we want Jesus to make us. All right, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but I really need you to do this thing in my life, right? And and so we have these things, but we're going to talk about one this morning that that maybe many of us weren't looking for or, or even feel a little weird about, depending on uh, our background, how we grew up, or some of the Christians that we've had experiences with, right? Because I think we can all admit there's some Christians out there that um, we just kind of try and avoid, right? Uh, like, like Kevin said, we're going to be in, we're going to have neighborhoods in heaven, and so like they're there, and we just don't go to their neighborhood, right? Like, God bless you, I'm glad you're here, but like I'm just going to avoid you guys, right? There's some weird Christians out there. And so, so maybe what we talk about this morning, some of you might be a little put off by the idea of it. But let's dive into it. So we're, today we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Um, Mark is the second book in the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. So it's in the New Testament. It's the second book in there. If you hit Matthew, take a right and you'll get there. Mark is, uh, is one of the shorter, it's the shortest Gospel, um, which is great. So if you don't like, re- if you're like me and you don't like reading, um, you, Mark is your book, man. It's like, you know, like 16, 17 chapters and you're, boom, you're out, you know? Um, so, so Mark is sort of a condensed version because the, the Gospels are just recorded of Jesus' life. And so Mark kind of sums it up as best he can, right? And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 14. And in, in verse 14, Jesus is in the middle of preaching a message. And he's preaching a message that he's preached many times before. And so we're going to, we're going to pick up right there. And so we're going to start in verse 14 here. It says, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. Verse 15, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So this is Jesus' message. He preaches this a lot all throughout the the Gospels. 
and it's, it's pretty theologically rich. There's some big ideas in there, and so we're going to break down some, some weird phrases and some weird terms. The first one that we're going to talk about is the word repent. You may have heard that before. Sometimes it comes with a negative connotation, but all it means is for us that, that we need to turn back to Jesus, that we need to, to look at God. God's saying, hey, stop what you're doing and look at me. Focus back in on me, right? Uh, this was used a lot of times when, when the nation of Israel was in sin in the Old Testament. God would say, hey, stop what you're doing. Stop all this other stuff and focus back in on me, right? Return back to God. Refocus on him. And, and the next one we need to focus on here is the kingdom of God is near, right? Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, which just means like, hey, look. God is doing something. Like God is about to do something really cool here. And I don't want you guys to miss it. God say, Jesus is saying, look, God is doing something new. And you need to be focused on him. And you need to be looking at him. Because if he does this thing and you're not focused and you're not looking and you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it. Is what Jesus is saying. And so, so when I think about that, when I think about Jesus saying like, hey, look for these things or, or you'll miss it. I think about a couple of things, one of which is like these crazy awesome solar events like total lunar eclipses or shooting stars. And the worst thing about those is that they're always like really, really late at night or super, super early in the morning. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I really value my sleep. And I always think like, man, I want to see that. That's going to be so cool. The moon's going to be this different color or, or the stars will be coming across the sky. I want to see that. And, uh, and then I go to sleep and I am not waking back up. All right. I am not staying up and I, I sleep through any alarm that I set. And it's just, I just sleep through it. Cause I'm like, I need to sleep. I don't really care about a shooting star. Right. And, uh, <laughs> or, or, uh, do we have any Disney fans in here? Anybody in here like Disney? Yeah, we got a few, right? Um, my, my brother is a huge Disney fan and, uh, he, he's like a Disney fanatic. And so, uh, we, we, he goes to Disney like as much as he can and stuff. And, and I've been a few times. And one of the things that I've noticed about some people who are like crazy about Disney is uh, one of their favorite things to do is find hidden Mickeys. You guys ever heard of those? They're like all over the parks, right? If you go to a Disney park, there's all hidden Mickeys all over the place. And, and people who go a lot like to find them because at this point they've been on the ride 17 times. And they're like, all right, I'm going to find some hidden Mickeys, right? And I've been to Disney a few times. And I got to tell you guys, I have never, ever seen a hidden Mickey. Never seen one. Why? Because I'm not looking for them, right? Like, I am not paying attention enough. I'm not looking for these hidden Mickeys. And, and so Jesus is saying, like, look, there's some things that you need to be looking for or you'll miss. And we continue on with our passage here in verse 16. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, he saw Simon, someone who would later be called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Mark just wanted to be super clear, just so you know, these weren't just guys like throwing a net into the water. Why? Because they fished for a living. Thank you for the clarification, Mark. I probably could have figured that out. Continue on in verse 17. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Or other versions say, I will make you fishers of men. Verse 18. And they left their nets at once and followed him, which to me is weird. Right? Like, who, who just like stops their job, right? These guys were fishermen. They're making their living, probably a family business. And Jesus is like, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fish for people. And they're just like, okay. And they just like drop their nets and they leave, right? That's a little bit strange. And we go further on. It says, a little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, 
James and John in a boat. They're repairing their nets. He called to them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. So Jesus goes a little further up the shore and he's like, hey, you two, you should come follow me too. And they're like, all right, see you later, dad. Bye, family business. Thanks for the money. Thanks for college. I'm out. Peace. I'm following this guy in the robe. He said, come follow me. Here I go, right? It's a little bit strange. It's a little bit odd. And and I don't know if at that point the disciples exactly knew what they were getting themselves into or if they even heard him. Because Jesus says, come follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I don't know if they knew what that meant, if they were confused by it, or if they really even heard him. But they followed him. And what happens is he eventually made them fishers of men, each in their own circles of influence, right? Which were very different. Like these four guys were fishermen, but eventually he got a tax collector. He got some guy that was like super anti-government and anti-Romans. Like, and so each of these people had different circles of influence. And each one of them eventually became fishers of men in their context and where they were at around their circles of influence, right? And so eventually they, what they understood, eventually what these disciples came to understand is that followers fish. They came to understand that followers fish. And, and so they went and they started fishing and, and they got more people to come in. And eventually those people started to figure out and figure and find out that followers fish. And then those people went out and they, they fished for some more people and they brought other people in. And, and eventually those people understood that, that followers fish. And here we are 2,000 years later down the road talking about them and talking about Jesus and what he did all because a few guys figured out and understood that to be a follower is to fish. And don't get me wrong, they messed up along the way, all right? These guys didn't just jump in with Jesus and immediately like they were the best evangelists ever and they did everything right. The disciples messed up a ton, which really encourages me because I mess up all the time too. I think about a few stories that, uh, in the Gospels, one of which is um, Jesus was about to teach. He had, he had gathered up some people and he was about to teach and, uh, and he had all these children in front of him. And the disciples come and they're like, yeah, get out of here, kids. You know, they're like, go to K-Kids, get out of here. The master's about to teach. You're distracting, right? And they're like, get out of here. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? And they're like, we got to get the kids out. They're annoying. And he's like, no, that, that was my sermon illustration. I was going to use them. I was about to teach everybody about faith and how you have to be like a child. So the disciples are like, oh, snap, we got to go get the kids, right? And so they bring them back, right? Or, or there was another time where the disciples were trying to cast out a demon. There was this guy and his son was demon-possessed. And he's like, hey, I need some help. And the di- disciples were like, we walk with Jesus. We got that. And so they go and they, they do everything they can and everything they know to do. And it doesn't work. And so the father goes to Jesus and he's like, hey, I talked to your disciples. They said they could cast this demon out. And they can't. It's still there. And so Jesus says, all right, I got you. And he like goes and he prays over the young man and immediately the demon leaves. And so after the son and his father leave, the disciples go to Jesus and they're like, yo, why couldn't we do that? And he's like, well, did you pray? And they're like, oh, yeah, prayer. Oh, okay, yeah, we got that, Jesus. Next time we'll pray, right? <laughs> or, or there was another time where um, Jesus was talking with his disciples, and he asked them a question. And, uh, and one of his closest disciples, Peter, he stepped up and he gave an amazing answer. And Jesus is like, Peter, man, you are the type of guy that I'm going to build my church on, man. It's that kind of faith. It's that kind of answer that I'm going to build my church on. And then Peter says something else, and the next sentence Jesus says is, is, get away from me, Satan, right? Like he calls him Satan in the very next sentence. And so they messed up a lot along the way. But eventually, they got it. Eventually, they figured out what it meant to be fishers of men. 
And over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about how Jesus' call and intentions for us are the same as they were for his disciples. He wants his followers to be fishers of men. Not just to, and, and to do the same thing that somebody else did for us, right? To go out and reach somebody like somebody reached us. And not just to be, you know, to follow doesn't just mean to be better, to, to try and be a better person, a, a better husband, a better father, richer, more successful, more disciplined, more holy, right? Jesus doesn't say, follow me and I'll make you more holy, He doesn't say, follow me and I'm going to make you this. He says, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And even though I I think if we all kind of thought back for a second to to when we first met Christ or when we first made that decision to follow Christ, I think if we thought back to that moment, we'd all admit that we chose Jesus in the first place for selfish reasons. I know I wasn't like, oh, fishers of men, sign me up. You know, when I followed Jesus, uh, I was like, oh, okay, so all I have to do is this, and I'm saved, and I don't have to worry about hell? Cool, sign me up, man, that sounds easy, right? And and then I was like, oh, and Jesus can make me, like, better? He can make me more complete? He can can help me be satisfied? That's great, I want to do that too. But not once along the way was I like, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to fish for people, right? Like, that's not a thought that I had. And I think that most of us are probably in that camp, Right? And and here's the thing, that's not a bad thing, because God is so patient with us, and he blesses us immensely, right? We we think, man, I want to follow God because I want him to make me a better person, or I want him to make me this, right? And God says, hey, I'm going to help you out with that. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to help you out with that. And if you're in this room, and and you haven't chosen Jesus, and you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand why these people care. Why do they come here on a Sunday morning? It's not a guilt thing. It's not a guilt thing. We like it. We like being Christians. There's a lot of benefits to it. There's a lot of benefits to following Jesus. He can do some really cool stuff. And the disciples started following Jesus for selfish reasons too. Remember how he said it was kind of weird that they would just drop everything, drop their family business, peace out pops, and they would go follow this guy? Well, I said Mark was sort of an abbreviated version. If there's a detailed version, it's the book of Luke, which is just like one, one more over. Luke is, is really detailed in his account. And, and Luke tells this story is that right after Jesus finished preaching his message, repent, kingdom of heaven is near, right after he did that, he saw these fishermen, and he walked up to them, and he said, and it's probably about, it's pretty close to noon, you know, and, and so the, these guys are coming in, right? They fish at dawn, fish at dusk, it's kind of the best times to go. So they're coming in, they're repairing their nets, whatever they've had a day, and Jesus says, hey, um, throw your nets out on the other side of your boat, and, and you'll catch a bunch of fish. And I can only imagine that they were like, Come on, dude, like, it's 11 o'clock, we're coming in, I'm repairing my nets, you know, I, I've already fished, you have no idea what you're talking about, I do this for a living, like, hello, I'm a fisherman, uh, as Mark told us, and, and so they must have been like, dude, I'm not doing that, and he's like, no, 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 seriously, throw them on the other side, and, and you're, you're going to catch a bunch of fish, and so I don't know if, maybe they felt guilty, because they just heard a free sermon, and they're like, alright, maybe, maybe we'll just do it to, like, shut this guy up, right, and so they, they throw their nets out, and they catch so much fish that their boats can't contain it. Right? There's no way they ever saw anything like that. And so, and then right after that, he says, hey, come follow me. So of course they're going to follow him. Like, why would they not? Their dads are probably in the boat like, go, follow that man. Look what he just did. We have more fish than we can handle. We can't even clean all these fish today. Go, follow this man. He can do incredible things, right? And, And so Jesus says, hey, that's okay. Follow me. 
And, and if you follow me long enough, I'm going to make you something that you're not. I'm going to make you something that, that you're not yet. And I want him to make me a better husband, a better father. I want him to make me uh, uh, you know, more successful. I want him to make me all these things. And he says, okay, but I'm going to take you past that. Like, that's fine. I'm going I'm to bless you and I'm going to do some of these things. But I'm going to take you further than that. And isn't it true that, that most of our prayers, most of the things that we pray about and we think about on a weekly basis, the things that we're stressed about and we're asking God for, they're temporary, right? Like we're, we're praying for our marriages, we're praying for relationships, we're praying for finances, we're praying all these things, and, and all those things are temporary, right? Like they have a start date and an end date, and, and we're all going to die one day, not to be like the guy in the video, but it's true, spoiler alert. Um, and so like it's going to happen, and, and they're so temporary, and here's the thing, is that it's not that God cares about him. He does. And he answers those prayers. And he wants you to bring that stuff to him. He cares about it. He shows us that he cares about it. But if we follow Jesus, what Jesus says he's going to do is he's going to take all that stuff that happens between birth and death, all that temporary, mundane stuff, and he's going to leverage it for eternity. God, if we let him, We'll take all of our stuff, our successes, our failures, and use it to perfectly position us in another person's life and make us fishers of men. Because followers eventually fish if they're really following. And, and a lot of times we always think, like our first thought and first reaction to this is like, well, not me, you know. Uh, you don't understand. I, I don't know enough. I, I'm, I'm too introverted. You know, Pastor, you would be a great, you would be a great fisherman. Like you, you know the Bible. You know how to say it so well. You know, you're, you're not, you're not afraid of it. And uh, you would be great at fishing. But I don't think I could do it so well. I don't, I don't think I can fish. And I want to tell you guys a, a little industry secret here. I think most pastors would agree with me. Pastors think that you guys are the better fishermen. Because here's the deal, when I walk into a room or I'm hanging out with a group that doesn't quite know me, you know, one of the first questions you ask people to get to know them is like, oh, what do you do, right? That's like the adult version of like getting to know each other. And like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a youth pastor. And they're like, oh, you work in a church? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, immediately you can like see the posture change and like the language changes and everything. They, they get more uptight around pastors, right? People get more uptight and they're like, oh man, this guy's a pastor. He's trying to tell me about Jesus and he's going to ruin this whole night. I was, I was here to have fun, right? And so pastors think like you guys are the better fishermen. You guys are better at it because you don't have that happening. You don't have the label of pastor on you. You can you can go into some places and people will still be themselves around you, right? But the funny thing is, is we always think someone else can do it better. We always think somebody else is going to be a better fisherman. Like people, um, people who've grown up in, in church and have great families, they look at, at people with like you know a past. They're like, man, you have been through it. You have been to the pits and God brought you out. You have this incredible story, this testimony. You would be a better fisherman. You would be great at reaching people. And people with a past and a story, they're like, no, you would be a great, you would be a better fisherman than me because people would just think that I'm a failure. They would think that I'm a hypocrite because I've done all these things and now I'm telling them to do the opposite. So you would be the better fisherman. You have this squeaky clean life. You know, you grew up, you have both your parents, they love you. And look what God's done for you. You would be the better fisherman, right? Or, or people who have been saved 
the long time versus people who haven't, right? People who are new to the church are like, man, you would be a better fisherman because you've been in the church forever. You know all the songs. You know all the Bible stories. You've watched all the veggie tales. Like, you know all that stuff. You would be a better fisherman. And people who have been in the church for a long time look at people who are new to Christ and they're like, no, you would be a better fisherman because you have friends that aren't saved. You're, you're around people that don't know Jesus. You're, you're fresh. You're young. You have enthusiasm. You're passionate about God. Look what God's doing in your life right now. You're writing your testimony. You would be the better fisherman, right? Or, or people who are young look at older people and they're like, they would be better fishermen. They would be much better because they're wise and, and they know things and they can give people guidance. And older people look at younger people and they're like, you would be better fishermen because you're young, you have energy, you have passion, you have all this stuff. And we all think that somebody else is going to be a better fisherman than we are. But this is the great part about what Jesus says. He says, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. God wants to leverage all the temporary things about you for the eternal God wants to take every part of your life, your past, your lack of a past, your successes, your failures, everything that makes you uniquely you, he wants to take all that stuff and use it to leverage himself into another person's life. You are perfectly positioned by God to be used in another person's life. God can use you in a way that he can't use anybody else. And if you're here and you're like, ah, you know what, man, I, I hear you saying this stuff, but you just don't know me. man. I, I can't talk to somebody to save my life. I stumble over my words. I, I just, I can't do it. It's not me. I can't be the fisherman. Somebody else has got to go fish. God can use you, and, and I can prove it. I can prove it. So I, I want you to think about, I want you guys to think about the person that either led you to Christ, or, or if you got saved when you were a kid and you kind of wandered away from the faith, and, and somebody came and brought you back. I want, to, I want you to think about that person. I can tell you a few things about that scenario. One is this. You had probably heard the message already. Most people have heard just the sort of basic, like, yeah, Jesus died for you, you know, whatever, and, and, and if you follow him, then, then you won't go to hell. Like, like, most people have heard sort of that basic message before, and so maybe you heard it in kind of a new way this time or whatever it is, but, but most likely you had heard it before. And, and what I'm saying with that is that it's not just the message, but it's the messenger, Right, the, the person that was speaking to you mattered in that moment. They had your ear. You were open to listening to them. There was something about them that made you kind of open and receptive. And that combined with your circumstances and what was going on in your life, it all kind of came to a point and you were just like, ah, oh, yes, I want that. I get it now, right? So it, it's, it's the message, but it's also the messenger and the things that are going on in your life right now. And so whether you see it or not, right now you are perfectly positioned in somebody else's life to give them Jesus. And if, if we don't walk around with the mindset, if we don't walk around thinking and knowing that followers fish, then we'll miss it. A lot of times we can get bogged down in life and lose sight of what's important. I know I, I've been there in the past few weeks, man. We, we moved not too long ago. And, of course, when we moved, uh, we got everything set up. I plug in the washer and dryer, and neither one works. And so I'm like, great, we got weeks worth of laundry, and I have nothing to do it in. And so I'm scrambling around. I'm praying, Lord, I need to fix these things, and please let it be cheap because I'm broke. And, uh, and so I'm trying to – and these last few weeks, and I finally got them both fixed. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and so – but I'm bogged down there. I'm thinking, 
thinking about that. I'm thinking about, I got these messages coming up and I got to get my daughter here and, and do this. And so my prayers and, and, my, and my thinking, everything's consumed with just like the, God, just let me get through this next day, right? Let me get to, next week will be a little bit calmer. And then next week comes and it's never calmer, right? And, and so I'm like, God, just, just get me through. And so I'm praying about these things and I'm praying for my needs. And, and if we get stuck there, We can pray for our needs and we can go our whole Christian life just trying to get better and better and more comfortable. And we'll sleep through the incredible solar event and we'll never find the hidden Mickey. The only way to allow God to use all of your experiences and what you have is by living with the awareness that followers fish. And so we got to start to pray and we got to start to think God, I'm going to be on the lookout. I'm going to be awake. I'm going to see those little moments that you've placed around the park of life. I'm going to be looking for it. God, show me, reveal to me, speak to me in these moments. And I'm going to be ready to fish. And I'm going to fish not for the thousands, not for the hundreds, but for the one. I'm going to fish for the one person I talk with at work. I'm going to fish for that one neighbor, that one friend. That one person, God, that you have put my path on. And to be on mission here at Kensington means to fish for everyone. We fish for the one. That's what we do here. It's who we are and who we hope to be. And so in a second, I'm going to give you guys some homework. I'm going to give you guys something to do here in a second. But before we do that, I'm going to call our ushers down. And we're going to, we're going to take our offering here in just a second. And after we take our offering, we give you guys some homework. And so if you're here and this is your first time here, I want you to let the offering pass you by. Just know that like this service is our gift to you. We want you to be comfortable. We don't want you to feel pressured to give anything. You just let it go right by you. And uh, don't, don't feel pressure at all on that. And, and if you're here and you call Kensington home, we want to thank you for living generously. We want to thank you for being good stewards of what God has given you and, and partnering with us in ministry. Because um, without you guys, we would not be able to do what we do every week so we just want to thank you um, for the ways that you're faithful with your finances there <clears throat> and, and maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus and, and you're not real sure about this whole church thing and, and you're sitting in your seat and you're just like oh, this is why I don't like Christians right I, why you guys always have to push your beliefs on somebody else why can't you just let everybody believe what they want to believe and just let God figure out the rest why do you always have to be pushing yourselves on somebody else right and, and maybe Maybe the person who brought, maybe somebody brought you here this morning and they're sitting next to you and they're like, oh, wrong morning. The youth pastor's speaking. We're talking about evangelism. Oh my gosh, I should have picked another week. Let me just tell you guys this. Let me just say this real quick. It's not that we as Christians think we're better than anyone. We know we're not. But we just know that we're better off than we used to be. We've seen God do some incredible things and bless us in ways that we didn't think were possible. We like following Jesus. That might be news to some people. It's great. There are some real benefits to following Jesus. He does some amazing stuff. And so how could we not honor God and try and make sure other people know what's going on? How could we not do that? How could we keep this to ourselves, right? And so, now what? We've, we've heard all this stuff, okay, I kind of get it, I'm, I'm supposed to fish for people, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to have this mindset where I'm looking at all this stuff, but, but what do I do with all this information, right? What I want you to do, I want you guys to do that this week, alright? 
I want you to go to a Starbucks, ask a barista if they know Jesus, and lead a Bible study with a stranger. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, but what I do want you to do this week is at some point I want you to write a letter. I want you to write a letter to remind you that whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years or three months, we were all fish once. We were all fish once. And, and, and if it wasn't for that person that fished for you, we might still be fish. We might still be swimming around, wandering, looking for hope. So, I, I, And the other thing that this letter will do is remind you of the gratitude that is in your heart for the person who had the courage to reach out and fish for you. So I want you to write a letter just expressing your gratitude to the person who led you to Jesus or brought you back. And for some of you, that person may no longer be with us. And you don't need to send it, but I want you to write it all the same. And for some of you, that, that person may still be around. And I, want you, I want to encourage you guys to send that letter. If you can, then you should. And, and to give you guys an example of sort of what I'm talking about here, I actually wrote a letter this weekend. And I wrote it to my best friend, Michael Marino. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read it for you guys so you get a sort of good idea of what we're talking about here. Dear Mike, I don't know how many nights we have stayed up late playing video games, joking, talking about life, and trying to save the world from bad guys. Probably too many to count. I don't know how many of those nights you remember, but I wanted to remind you of one that I think about often. It was very early on in our friendship. In fact, it may have been the first time I ever spent the night at your house. We were playing Gran Turismo on the PS2 with nothing lighting the room except for the glow of the TV. And we're complaining about our dads, and I talked about how my dad was making me go to church, and I thought it was stupid and weird. And you asked me a question that pierced my soul and would change me forever. Well, are you saved? Are the words that I heard. I confessed I wasn't really sure what that meant, and you explained what it meant in simple terms that just made sense to me. From that moment on, I thought that following Jesus was something that I could do. I don't know if you were aware then or even now what that moment meant to a young, angry, lonely kid, but I want to tell you it meant everything. Your willingness to befriend me and share the gospel changed the trajectory of my life. As you well know, I'm married now to an incredible, God-fearing wife who supports me like no other. And we have an awesome little girl who, who knows the name of Jesus, sings to Jesus, and loves others in a way that's inspiring. I have a job where I constantly get to share the same message you gave me that night 16 years ago. If it wasn't for your willingness to share and your friendship, I don't know where I would be or what kind of family I would have. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your friend forever and brother, Clint. When I wrote that, I was so emotional. I cried. And I didn't expect that. I've talked about it before. I think about it a lot. But it meant more than I thought it would to be able to thank the person that helped save my life. At the time, I was just a, he was just a kid. Mike was just a kid at the time, about 13 years old, who wasn't afraid to fish. 
He had just enough courage to share the simple gospel message with another kid. And here's the point. Is that each one of you are perfectly positioned in another person's life to be a fisher of men. But if you're not looking for it, if you're not growing, if you're not asking God, show me, you'll sleep through it. You'll miss it. And on the flip side, man, if you're asking God, show me, show me. And we start to have a mindset of followers fish. The flip side is that maybe some, someone will write you a letter someday. And you'll read it and you'll say, man, I never knew. I never knew that that one time I invited you to church, that that one time I prayed for you, that that one Bible verse I, I shared with you, or that one book I gave you, I never knew the difference that that made. I never knew. And can I tell you guys something? I want that for you. I want that for you so bad. Because there's so much more than just here. God can take everything about you. Your job, your your position in life, your struggles, your successes. He can take all of it. And he can use it to leverage himself into another person's life. And use it to affect eternity. And if you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus yet, if you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus, I want you to know I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a second to do that. Because it's awesome. There's nothing else that I would want for somebody else than just to follow Jesus. There's nothing I've come across that's better. I've known a lot of people and from a lot of different walks of life. And Jesus is better. And so I'm going to ask us all to just bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you, if you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus, I just I want you to pray along with me. You don't have to use my words. Just talk to God from your heart and use my words as a guide. Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. I want to follow you. I repent, Lord. I'm turning away. I want to know what you have going on. I believe that you came and died. Forgive me of my sins. Shower me with your grace and your mercy. And help me to be a follower. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as we go throughout our week, week, let's not just follow. Let's follow and fish.